You're listening to Trek FM. Mego presents the Star Trek action figures featuring the crew of the Enterprise, Captain James T. Kirk, their fearless leader, Dr. Bones McCoy, caring for the health of the Enterprise crew, Scotty, the chief engineer in charge of the transporter room, Mr. Spock. Hi, and welcome to Women at Work. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Jera, and thanks for tuning in to this special supplementary episode on Star Trek action figures. Today, we have a special guest, Jonathan Alexandratos, um, who I know because I think initially we met when uh, you contributed to my other non-Star Trek feminist blog, Gender Focus. Um, Yeah, Jonathan is a playwright and other cool things that I will let him explain more. Um, He also has written uh, a neat academic paper on representation of gender in TNG action figures, which was the impetus for me to be like, we should do a supplementary show about this because I think it's a really cool topic. Yeah, so um, it kind of also led me to sort of self-proclaim myself an action figure scholar. I guess that's the word I've come up with for it. I didn't even know (laughs) if that's a thing, but I've just kind of uh, figured that would emerge. Uh, I'm working on an edited collection of essays right now for McFarland Publishers, which will be um, theoretically the first um, collection of uh, academic essays on action figures. So I'm very excited about that. And nice. we have a whole slew of great uh, essays on that. Um, dealing with a lot of the issues we'll probably discuss today. That sounds super exciting. Yeah. Um, so uh, I thought maybe we could start off by talking about like how you got interested in action figures to begin with. Not necessarily sure. as like an academic subject, but like what was your first memory of action figures? Um, it was being a kid, and my dad took me to KB Toys and got me a um, Crimson Guard Immortal G.I. Joe action figure, which is still up on my wall. Not the original one, because that one is long since exploded, but um, this, uh, that, was the, that was the first figure I remember getting, and I was so taken with the way that it moved and the way that you could sort of transport yourself to a different world by playing with it and uh, the way it could just interact with other figures and I was hooked ever since then. Um, I forget how old I was, but I'm sure I was very young. Um, six, seven, eight, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that, especially the escapism uh, of it all. I, th- I mean, I'm an only child, so, um, you know, getting an action figure uh, is sort of like getting a new brother that you can kind of inhabit <laughs> and, and play with. And there's probably a less creepy way to say that, but that's what came out. Way <laughs> less annoying than siblings. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, um, do you remember what your first Star Trek action figure was? Um, so the first one that I really remember having um, actually was a, a Captain Picard in his Deep Space Nine uh, outfit, which I guess is like the movie outfit from Generations as well. Um, and I remember getting that, I think, if not first, then like maybe one of the first. Um, so I don't know that I got too many of like the the Playmates TNG era when those were out, but definitely right after that. Um, and I remember it because 
when I would shake it, uh, it, it would rattle for some reason. There was like a little plastic pellet mm-hmm. inside of it, and it always just like boggled my mind. It was just this little rattling action figure. It was like, <laughs> this is, I don't know, this is cool. Like that's found its way into some of my plays. It's really just been one of those things that I just kind of remembered. Oh, nice. Um, I remember <laughs> the first one I got was Counselor Troy. Um, awesome. But I lived in a pretty small town, and so there was only one store where it was sort of like the Canadian equivalent of Target where you could go for uh-huh. action figures and because uh-huh. it was a small town we didn't get the full range so um uh so troy was like the only figure they had there for a long wow. time <laughs> um, they have just, like two little troys and every time i go in and be like what was that what do they have um and then um i traded a classmate in when we were both 10 I traded mm-hmm. him a set of Mad Magazines for a Dr. Crusher and a Warrior Wharf in Klingon outfit, even though he was missing an arm. That's an awesome trade, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. and then my <laughs> friend and I painted Warrior Wharf with nail polish. <laughs> awesome. So what, what kind of nail polish? Was he just sort of like out, uh, ready, ready to rain? We made him glittery, yes. <laughs> That's great. So it's like the Twilight version of yeah. Warrior yeah, awesome. so luckily my treatment of my action figures has improved since then, but uh, <laughs> definitely played a lot with the Playmates, uh, mostly TNG ones and some Deep Space Nine and Voyager ones um, as, a, I guess, like a kid and a tween, yeah, um, yeah. early teen even, but... Uh, oh, I played with mine yesterday. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I get <laughs> it, absolutely. Um, it's actually funny because, you know, with getting figures like at that early age, I was totally... Um, a victim of the mentality of just like I couldn't get any I was like afraid to get any of the female characters because <laughs> laugh at me and uh, you know as we grow up we learn that well that sort of thing is nonsense but like as a kid I was just so concerned by it so one day I like secretly got a, uh, a Jet Zia Dax figure and I was so happy <laughs> to have it but I didn't tell anyone I got it because it was just like um, it's a girl you know oh that's um, funny it's like if when you're younger it's less of an issue and it gets to be an issue more when you hit like age nine and ten and you realize like girls are icky or (laughs) you you don't want to be girly or i don't know what it is but yeah i mean well growing up in the south like there was always this concern that you know someone would call you gay and gay Mm -hmm. was like a bad term and and people would call you gay for like these ridiculous reason i mean the whole thing is ridiculous mm-hmm. obviously but um but i remember being in middle school being very concerned about that and just looking back on it it's just like wow how stupid were we mm-hmm. but i mean but you know i mean the unfortunate side of it is like i had friends at that age who later came out and mm-hmm. they came out after they moved away and you know i wish i had known more but then i guess we all wish that because <laughs> maybe we could have comforted them or you know say you know it's all right or whatever but mm-hmm. um and uh the first time i kind of became conscious of gender in star trek action figures was when i really 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 wanted a captain janeway but at <laughs> the store in the town uh, the only Voyager figure they got in was mutated Tom Paris. Oh my God! I know they all had that one. What's up with that? Like I've well, seen. Obviously, lots. no one wanted mutated <laughs> right. Tom Paris. I, I didn't buy it because it was the only thing. <laughs> That's um, what they had. Yeah. Yeah, and then it made me like think about all of the women characters that only got like maybe they got a main version of themselves, like Captain Janeway and the Playmates. Right. Um. The Voyager ones, they're like Bolana has a Bolana normal uh, and yeah. Bolana 
only Klingon, but like yeah. Janeway only has Janeway with the bun. And yeah. I believe it is actually impossible to get a Janeway non-bun action figure. Yeah, unless you customize one. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it it's true. I mean, and like the variants that they even had in the TNG era were, you know, I mean, there were sometimes these like paint swaps of of Troy. You know, you could get like the the sort of purplish outfit Troy or the red mm-hmm. outfit Troy, but um, it took a while for them to do like a you know seventh season um you know uh jumpsuit troy and we never got troy's romulan which i always want we never got cake troy which i really want <laughs> oh my gosh cake troy yes <laughs> awesome. so we're definitely going to talk more about some of the missing characters um but uh, we also put out the call on our women at work facebook page for other people to tell us about their action figure memories and some of the action figures awesome. they wanted to see um so we had a comment from elizabeth who said i don't own only four action figures. Two of them are Star Trek related, Kalar and Sabic, uh, the Wrath of Khan gotcha. version of Sabic. Uh, secondary gotcha. characters compared to certain main characters who don't have their own action figures, of course, but pretty cool that they exist. I want an action figure of Star Trek TNG's Dr. Sealar, which I totally agree. Mm, I think that yeah. would be bad. Yeah. So, yeah, Kalar actually oh. was one of my first early ones too, and I loved her because she has the massive spiky glove. Those are, yeah, oh god, I know. Kalar is an awesome figure because she's well accessorized. She's got a sword, she's got a helmet, she's got like battle accessories. I mean, that was so rare for uh, female figures to have, like any sort of uh, accessories to suggest that they could actually go out and fight and, you know, you know, do that. Um, I mean, I guess Lursa and Bator later would have that, but I mean, the Klingons mm-hmm. did, but uh, I mean, that was sort of the crux of that uh, essay um, that I wrote on, on those figures. And, and I think we were talking about this before, sort of the accessorization of these figures kind of depicted their gender. So, I mean, it, it, you know, you gave like Troy got the kind of purse-like thing and, you know, Picard would get the phaser thing. And, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, it sort of describes the the action scenes or lack of action scenes you can create with those figures um, using just the accessories that they came with. So, yeah, Troy could um, spend all her time sitting in a corner and reading on her yeah. her pad or her little like laptopy thing, or yeah. I guess rummaging in her purse. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. Um, and that's the that's kind of the sad thing about it. Um, I really love the way Art Asylum kind of changed all that because I thought when Art Asylum, you know, put out its, I think, great Star Trek figures. I mean, these are like, you know, Norman Rockwell Star Trek figures are just so mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, I think they really played with that in interesting ways because they would give you these super specific accessories that kind of really did inform the character. I mean, Miles O'Brien came with the bonsai tree and it's like, this is, you know, this warrior, former like soldier guy, you know, coming with this very kind of touching symbol of his relationship with his wife life and you know stuff like that i was just like oh this is this is new you know this is interesting first um, contact data comes with spot yeah first I, contact i really <laughs> want it i don't have it yet <laughs> do, you, do you have the two-pack from uh, all good things with no because that comes with more cats and Ooh. that is that's awesome yeah We're big into yeah. cats on this podcast um, oh how could you not Yes. So um, let's maybe just take a quick step back and um, wondering if you could maybe give us like a super quick overview of the like lay of the land of Trek action figures, because it's obviously 
it changed a lot from the early days. So were the Mego figures the first ones that were produced? Do you well, know? Technically, yeah, for the for the Star Trek um, line, yeah, um, Mego Mego did it first, um, and uh, later, once you got into the '80s, Galoob kind of took it over, and Galoob um, did the the first uh, wave of Star Trek Next Generation figures, um, and they were using kind of a a model similar to the 3.75 inch kind of Mego things that you would get for the the Star Trek movies. Um, and I mean, the big thing with those figures is that they they released um, pretty much one wave and omitted um troy and crusher beverly crusher uh, mm -hmm. and wesley crusher but beverly crusher um so there's only one woman in the entire wave of figures and uh it was a pretty sizable wave because you got the crew of the enterprise sans troy and crusher um you got uh a, you would get a a q um and a few aliens and uh they were i mean i think that they're good figures it's just that i i didn't you know, they didn't really, I think, do a great job of encapsulating the women on the show. There was a, an executive from Galoob, uh, Bob Giacomo, who said in an interview, um, yes, if things continued, it would have been an obvious move to include the other women along with different aliens and so forth. So that's kind of how they were thinking of it. It's like, yeah, if this, we if this wave succeeds, we'll maybe put out the women and some more aliens. And I think that's the problem mm -hmm. with so many of these things. They like equate these female characters with like, yeah, the different aliens and, and okay, fine, maybe the women, you know, if you twist our arm about it. Um, so, you know, Galoob lost the, uh, the, the license shortly after that uh, wave. They had some interesting plans for, for figures though. They were they were gonna do a, a Jordy's visor uh, accessory that was seemed pretty cool. So I think they had some interesting stuff in the works, but um, they didn't they didn't um, quite hang on to the license. Uh, uh, Playmates got it next and did the humongous kind of uh, canon of figures from TNG and DS9 and Voyager that we know and some of the movies as well. Um, and, and I think that they're responsible for probably the bulk of Star Trek figures that you'll see out there. Um, and I, I think they, they pretty much did everybody. I mean, they're, you know, I don't, I, except for of course, like the very, very minor single episode characters, but, um, by the end of their run, they, they did variants, they did, uh, you know, all sorts of side, you know, like alien, like they would do a generic Klingon, generic yeah. Robin, you know. There's lots of like Romulan Picard and Romulan Data and uh, random, you know, Troy and Worf and Alexander from A Fistful of Datas and yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. There's, uh, yeah. what's his face? The Benzite? Uh, yes. I'm looking at him right now. Mordok or something? Yes. Yeah. And that. oh, and not to mention all the cadets that came with the CD-ROMs. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the cadet years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. was great. I I remember getting the Will Riker because I really wanted a a beardless Will Riker, and that's what they they had. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'll get that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that was uh, that was an interesting line. Yeah. I, I heard that the there was, yeah. I was gonna say, and also all the play sets, like the bridge play set and the transporter yeah. and the shuttle and the runabout and all that stuff was all playmates, right? Yeah, absolutely. Those were so great. The, the walkie-talkies you could get that looked like Star Trek communicators, the phasers, you know, yeah. all of that. Um, they did a they did a great job. Um, I mean, Playmates just kind of 
uh, Playmates was owning it for a while because they did, um, pretty sure they did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, stuff as well um, in the 90s. So they, I mean, they had a couple of big lines uh, under their belts. Uh, and, and, you know, they were able to produce, uh, and they, and they did, um, they produced a lot after, uh, Playmates, uh, Art Asylum kind of came in, uh, with the line and, uh, I think did, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful Star Trek figures, uh, I've ever seen. And, and I think it's unfortunate that they didn't get to do Voyager cause they probably could have done great things with it, but they, they just did, um, some, some from TOS. They did some from, uh, some of the movies, uh, they did TNG, uh, some DS nine. Um, but they just, they didn't, um, they lost the license before getting to Voyager. So we just got one, uh, mail away Geordi LaForge action figure from the episode timeless, mm -hmm. uh, from Voyager. And that's all we have. Um, so, but they, I mean, there really were just, I think, I think of them as like works of art. I have them yeah. up on my wall. Like I look at the, you know, they're just great. Um, you have a, uh, you, you have Nurse Ogawa, don't you? I do. Um, I definitely, I snapped her up when I found her at a convention. I have the Nurse Ogawa. I also have the Beverly Crusher and the Beverly Picard. Um, yeah. I have Uhura from the Wrath of Khan. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I also have Colonel Kira. They didn't come out with a, like a, Kira and Bajoran uniform, but I have right. the Colonel Kira. Um, I have a few more of those are definitely some of my favorites. I guess yes. my other favorite is Martok just because like his, <laughs> his bat left looks so great and he looks just like so appropriately Martokly badass. I know, and it's like post eye. Like, yeah. you know, there's like pre eye Martok and post eye, like when he loses the eye in the episodes. And, and uh, I, I like that they made him, you know, with the yeah. one eye missing. It's um, definitely raised my action figure standards on, like, for all franchises as well. It's <laughs> like I'm looking at the ones uh, for uh, Force Awakens and going, like, for the price you're asking. Right. <laughs> the, the painting is not that good and things like that. So I'm noticing just that the incredible quality that art asylum had on those figures and they weren't ridiculously priced for sure. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, art asylum and, and diamond select diamond select also does some of the, and they're still, I think, doing some at a rate of maybe like one a year they they do the more statuesque kind of uh figures like you could get uh picard but he's kind of frozen in one pose you sort of set up the action um scene with him um but diamond select is a great uh great company too they do a lot of the marvel um figures too um they and i think art asylum may be linked in with this uh, are sort of a product of some of the old uh executives over at toy fair magazine uh back in the 90s and i don't know if you ever read that or got copies of that but um it's such a great toy magazine it, it was um they don't have it anymore because a lot of those guys they ended up moving on to other uh projects like robot chicken for instance but oh. um but one of them, um, uh, Zach Oat went on to uh, Diamond Select, and I think you know either created it or was certainly there from the very beginning. And Star Trek was some of the stuff that that you know I think he decided to to pursue. So uh, we've got some very beautiful pieces from from Diamond Select out of that. They do the ships as well. They do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, all of the, the slew of ships that they've put out, including the All Good Things uh, Enterprise, which I know Playmates did too, but I, just the Art Asylum one just looks so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, 
So we started talking a little bit about this, but basically I want to talk about how the action figures we got, not thinking about like which ones were missed, but how did the ones we get represent female characters? We talked a little bit about the um like the sedentariness, like the 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 things that they got to do with their uh accessories were by and large things that were not action oriented. Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, we can kind of break that down by, by company for TNG, certainly. Like if you look at um, Galoob, uh, Tashi are the only woman that they uh, produced. Uh, she came with the same accessories as everyone else. She had a, a phaser, which was molded into her hand and a tricorder, which they could all sort of oddly wear around their neck or <laughs> on their shoulder, which, you know, never happened in the show, but okay. Um, so in that sense, actually, for the one female character they had, that was kind of progressive in a way. I mean, it's seeing as she sort of has exactly the same uh, stuff as everyone else. The problem is there's only one of her, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get into Playmates, um, I think there was attention paid to kind of the individualized accessories that each character should have. So there you would see, um, you know, someone like Troy or Crusher coming with one of those um I mean, I don't know what to call them outside of just like space laptops. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to, you know, I'm not sure what the technical term is, but um, they would have those. And you know, that's that's the sort of thing that I think your your Commander Riker figure might not have. Although I'll have to double check that now because well, some the of the male figures do the have that. But. First Riker, the one with the ripped shirt, he comes with yes. a um, like it's kind of like a briefcase or like it, it's an equipment right. case, and it actually opens. And and you could theoretically put things in it if it was bigger. So that was kind of cool because it was more like something you would actually take on an away mission and do something with versus the little purses that don't open and yeah (laughs) exactly i mean that that, that's exactly it and and i'm curious now just as we're talking about it to kind of look at um who who came with those sort of infamously perpetually firing phasers that you know those toys came with basically like playmates were so notable for like giving you a phaser that always had a beam shooting out of it yeah it's kind of dangerous actually um Um, i'm pretty sure that like most of the men in that original line did so i think um some of them it wasn't firing and then later ones they had ones that were not firing and had a hand grip so you could like slip it over the action figure hand um but that's right yeah yeah so uh, definitely um, uh, picard did and uh data did and i think Riker right. did well just as we're sort of uh talking i'm shuffling in an old toy box here just pulling out some of my playmates figures so we can do a little comparison <laughs> here awesome. um so uh i have a ton of them because that was the other thing about playmates figures like once the uh after a, a bit of time passed they all just became dirt cheap to get on ebay so you could pay 10 bucks and get like 10 figures um, yeah. mint in package, uh, which you can still probably do. The other uh, thing is all the accessories are all made out of one color of plastic and it partly helps right. you short them, but it makes it funny when you have situations like um, the trials and tribulations characters that all come with like blue or purple tribbles. Cause that was just a color of plastic. They do. Hard little pellet tribbles. Like there's <laughs> nothing less cute than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, okay, so here's like, here's a, a rough sampling of Playmates figures in front of me. I have, uh, I don't have to go through all these, but I'm just looking at a nurse Christine Chapel, Admiral William Riker from All Good Things, Ensign Roe Laren, uh, Commander Crudge, and Luxana Troy. So, um, Luxana Troy, she comes with a wine the, glass. The head in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Haven. <laughs> that was yes. necessary. Exactly, <laughs> which is described at, on the on the figure card as a talking gift box. So they're not even going that specific with it. Um, she's got a wine glass, a crystal gong, an intergalactic suitcase, which sounds amazing, and a Federation action base, which I never really got the classification of that as an action base since there was never much action that went along with it. But uh, but there you go. If you compare. I mean, let's take two pretty active characters. I mean, you know, William Riker and Ensign Roe Laren. Um, Laren, who, as we all know, is a very, like, you know, battle-ready, you know, female character. She's, I loved her on the show. Um, so she gets the the Type 2 phaser, tricorder. She gets the Starfleet monitor, so that, that wonderful little space laptop we were talking about. She gets the Starfleet duffel bag and a Starfleet action base. Um, so there you go. If you go over to William Riker, the Admiral William Riker, Starfleet Type 2 phaser, pad, uh, desktop monitor, so there you go, and a Starfleet tricorder, and a bonus all good things action base. So um, those two, I guess, you know, it, it, you could look at, I mean, you could look at Rolaren and kind of be like, okay, the I don't really get the whole space laptop thing, nor her uh, duffel bag. But, you know, I mean, she does, you do get a phaser in that, you do get a tricorder. I mean, it is interesting to think about um, kind of how these uh, accessories do lead to the performance of a gender or a, a, perhaps even an age. Um, Judith Butler famous gender theorists um, basically said that all gender is performance, that, you know, we kind of, uh, we wear our gender, you know, and, mm -hmm. and um, we perform it, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. So if that's true, then action figures should do the same thing. Um, and I think we can see that more so for Star Trek and these accessories um, because their uniforms are going to be more or less all the same. Um, so... Of course, we would question it, right, if Luxana Troy came with a phaser because yeah. she, you know, that just wasn't something that the character um, had. But, um, yeah. Well, like, I, I have um, an Edith Keeler, and I don't know... Oh, sure. I don't know what you like. What would you put if you got to put her, give her accessories, and you didn't know what she came with? If you got to, like, create the accessories for the Edith Keeler action figure. Oh, God, if I created like, accessories... That's tough. That is tough. It is. I mean, yeah. It has like maybe a nice fresh William Shatner head. I don't know. <laughs> um, I but, mean, uh, there's like there's a newspaper in that episode. Um, she works true. in a soup kitchen, so you know, I don't know, a pot and a spoon and a newspaper, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm appreciating um, that they have difficult things on for some of these characters, um, especially the ones that were just one episodes. But she, what she does come with yeah. is a typewriter, which I don't think we ever see her use. Um, and, right. a, and a massive, massive teapot that's like twice the size of her head. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so there's an argument, I think, in that to say, like, if you, if you take as a given this 
idea that some accessories are more passive and some are more active. I think that it is certainly worth our while to look at the female figures, see what accessories they have that do indicate more passivity in their characters, and then compare that to what the male characters um, got. I'm very, very interested in that. Um, Playmates created such a wide array of figures that I would imagine what you'll notice is that as as the series progressed of as the waves of figures progressed um they probably got better if for no other reason than the fact that they had molded all these things probably for other you know characters so they they probably just had a ton of accessories around so you know as this as these waves wore on you could get probably a more diverse spectrum of accessories early on though i mean to look at wave one of the playmates tng figures um you know that's that's where this question i think really counts you know do are the women getting um more passive accessories and the men getting more active accessories like phasers and you know uh even tricorders and that, that kind of thing um and and if so, what does that say about um, the way these uh, characters are presented um, in plastic? I, I think to me that would mean that they're going against uh, what a lot of the show was about, which was uh, women doing very active things. Granted, um, not necessarily all the time because it's still a Gene Roddenberry show, and I mean Gene Roddenberry was certainly not the best, um, I think, creator of women uh, characters, but um but he of course i mean he did still make strides there and um i think that the action figures might not have done uh the best service to that under under playmates i think under um art asylum they they did mm -hmm. and even in the later playmates but like you were saying with captain janeway like you just you had one of her and that was kind of it Whereas with Tupple, um, with Chakotay, we got a couple. Um, I, I also sort of often wonder like, how cool would it playmates had just decided that the generic uh, Romulan was going to be a female. Like, mm -hmm. you, I, as a kid and even as like a teenage collector of this stuff, I never thought of that. But I think like I never thought of it because that was just not not even something any figure company was doing like making the generic sort of mm -hmm. prototypical example of this race be female and nope. you know, <laughs> yeah and um, I think I think it'd be great if they did yeah we got um, so you know I mentioned we got uh, Data and Picard as Romulans from Unification um, I think uh, right yes and um, but we never got a Troy's Romulan from Face of the Enemy even though right. that is like by and large Troy's best episode I think <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So yeah, there's definitely some examples of. I mean, we did get several variants of Troy, although they're mostly just the color of her uniform, like you said. We got a fair number of Crusher. There's like Crusher and Dixon Hill. Um, mm -hmm. There. But with the Dixon, yeah, that's right. The Dixon Hill you could get individually because they did do a playset, right? And yeah. the playset came with uh, Guinan, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but I think overall, um, there were actually a lot of women characters that got missed. And uh, this is partly also why we're talking about this now, because the women uh, or merchandise of women characters has been a really hot topic around the geek blogosphere for like the last couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that 
the first time that I became aware of it was around uh, Black Widow being left out of Avengers me- merchandise. Um, mm-hmm. But then there was the Where's Gamora hashtag um, because there was all this Guardians of the Galaxy merchandise being uh, produced that didn't include Gamora. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, most recently we had Where's Ray with the Force Awakens action figures, which was very frustrating. Um, right. I still haven't gotten mine yet. Like I, I have, um, I got the diecast metal one from the Disney yeah. store, but I still haven't gotten the plastic one. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it and being like, it's like twice the price of what the art asylum figures were. And the quality of the painting looks like comparably terrible. Um, well, and, and, so, just, and just inconsistent, I think like yeah. you'll, you'll get one and, and it's just, you know, one, um, you know, has just mismatched coloring and, and, you know, scratches and stuff like that it's just yeah um quality control uh, i think uh isn't what it was on on art asylum no that's true so um you know obviously uh so you know some of the characters that i think were most egregiously missed i put at the top of my list kai win um i think that i mean arguably at the time that the figures were produced, I think she's the top woman villain in all of Star Trek. You could argue <laughs> Borg Queen, and there is actually a really cool Playmates Borg Queen figure where her like head and spine come out. It's one of my favorite figures. I love yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But they never made a Kai Win. And Andrew yeah. on our Facebook page said, there's no Kai Win action figure like at all flips table. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Cam, who is one of the co-hosts of the Space Transmissions podcast, says, no win, but there's a Beryl because every child of the 90s right. wanted to recreate scenes of him wandering in the garden. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, then afterwards, I was like, missed opportunity. They should have made a Beryl with a removable brain action. <laughs> Uh, but i think that's a pretty good example because burial was definitely like at the time that he was produced as an action figure he -hmm. was definitely equal stature to win on the show Mm -hmm. and then win went on to become a lot more important and there is a ducat action figure um or there yeah there's a rom and nog action figure so um i feel like that was a really big missed opportunity I totally agree. Uh, I mean, I think by the time Kai Wen really kind of hit her stride as the villain of the show, um, I think that um, Playmates, that was, if not when uh, Playmates had lost the license, but getting close to it, I wonder if they were kind of fizzling out their, uh, their figures. I think she would have been outstanding. I mean, I think this is also sort of the reason we never got uh, a Playmates Esri Dax either. Um, Mm -hmm. I I saw a really good custom one online, um, but that's one that I kind of bemoan because the, um, the art asylum one is so cool. It's very rare, but Mm -hmm. it's also so cool. Um, And she would have been, I think an awesome figure, especially seeing as we have Jadzia, it would have been really cool to have Esri. um, We did get an intendant Kira, but I got to say she does not do intendant Kira justice. (laughs) I agree. Like that was the, uh, cause she, she, the, uh, the playmates figures are like perpetual truly man spreading and i think yeah. <laughs> is like unfortunately a victim of that stance yeah. um quite a bit but uh but yeah i mean it, it's it, it just thinking about sort of this theme of missing women um you know i'm just looking at wave one of the 
Playmates TNG line right now. Um, wave one was uh, Picard, Troy, Data, Worf, Riker, LaForge, and then Borg, Ferengi, Romulan, and Gowron, the Klingon. Mm. Um, so y- you didn't get a crusher until later, even so. Um, you know, Troy was, I guess, their one woman. But I feel like, you know, by the time those figures were released, they certainly could have done a lot better um, than that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they would certainly go on to, who was, um, who was the woman that Jordy LaForge had the, the like crush on? Leah Brahms. <laughs> Leah Brahms. I would have yeah. loved the Leah Brahms action yeah. figure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. One of our Facebook people was commenting on some of the ones she wanted to see that were never made. So, sh- uh, this is Sarah and she says, my vo- votes are for lol, Leah Brahms and Dr. Jillian Taylor. <laughs> Jillian Taylor was one of my favorite characters, not only because I loved her on seventh heaven, she's smart, <laughs> sassy, and doesn't hesitate to stand up to strangers and authority to save her whales. I love that. That's, that's per- and it's, it's, it'd be perfect because we have a Decker. So like if you have Decker, mm. you know, you've got basically your 7-Eleven or 7-Eleven, 7th Heaven. Parents. Oh, um, 7-Eleven. <laughs> you know, I, I'm that. Um, yes. So yeah, there's an Ilea and there's um, a Savic. Yeah. So a lot of the other women from the movies were made. I don't know that there's a Valeris, but maybe there is. Um, I don't believe so. I don't so. think so. Um, so that would be another cool one. But I definitely thought, uh, both, well, all three of those deserve their own figures. And Playmates created a lot of, you know, well-loved one-episode one-off figures like Darm, uh, sorry, Dathan from Dathan. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's one of my favorite figures uh, too that they did. He had the the knife you could sort of unsheath from his uh, yeah. from his uh, scabbard. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. I I I actually got sort of really into those this single episode. They have the Nausicaan as seen mm-hmm. in the episode Tapestry. Yeah, um, but it's true. Like I, it, those figures that they made of the sort of one off episodes. I mean, they tended to be of the guys that were in those episodes i mean granted i am assuming that the gnostican is a male but you know <laughs> it, it certainly presents that way uh yeah. to me um so yeah like why not leia brahms you know why not lol why not you know some mm-hmm. of these great women i mean um, yeah and so they did make a beverly picard um but they they made like yeah. several several versions of q um yes. there's uh yeah there's a lot that are missing um the other uh big women villain that's missing is the female changeling and that could have again partly been about the timing of the license but she was into the show before Worf was and there's a DS9 Worf I believe so totally totally I mean uh exactly so um just thinking about Beverly Picard for a second because I I love both of those figures the one that um Art Asylum did and the one that um Playmates did um what was cool about Beverly Picard in the Art Asylum line is that um, she was the was the variant. She was the the previews exclusive, and Beverly Crusher in season seven uniform was the the regular um, figure of that wave, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, oftentimes you know these the the sort of variants, or uh, as you were saying, the variants and and exclusives and things like that um, would go more male, but um, but in the art asylum uh, case, not so much, um, which I think is another testament to that company. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've got also three Troys in the same mm-hmm. wave, which is great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so Barry, who's another one of our Facebook commenters, uh, suggested having action figures of Ardra from Devil's Do, uh, Moogie from Deep Space Nine, which I, I, would, I would buy that so fast. And uh, Rain Robinson from Future's End in Star Trek Voyager. Okay, like, yeah. <laughs> Sarah Silverman action figure. Actually, um, <laughs> I would probably be into having a whole set of their Future's End costume variants because those are hilarious. Yeah, oh my God, so much. Yeah, <laughs> and, and while we're at it, like, let's get let's get a Mae Jemison action figure. I mean, I know that's yeah. not an animated show. Like, you know, just that, that was such a great cameo who wouldn't want to have like the only actual astronaut to be on star trek um that would be that would be super cool yeah no i i think that uh all of those suggestions are great um are there more did more people oh um i want one of the Susie plaxon female q oh yeah 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 sure that was a great one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone uh, suggested a Commander Denatra figure, the Romulan from uh, the Romulan at the end of Star Trek uh, Nemesis. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, the okay, one yeah. who is the military leader, I believe, and not the government leader, because there's two Romulan right, right. women in that. And actually, the Romulan right. commander from Enterprise Incident and Mart oh, Marta sure. from Whom Gods Destroy, although I think... There may be a Marta, or maybe yeah, I'm thinking there's a green, like there's a Orion slave, like there's Vina as the Orion slave girl. So maybe I'm mixing them up. No, there's there's totally a Marta. Um, okay. I think that uh, I think Art Asylum did one, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, uh, oh, that's cool. Someone customized a really great uh, Miko uh, Marta, which is uh, pretty great. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm not I'm not fully sure. I guess if it's just the standard Orion Slave Girl or her uh, specifically, but um, yeah, I, if there's not, there should be. Ooh, also um, Shelby. Oh, totally deserves an action figure. Yeah. Um, oh, another big one. I this I definitely think was due to the timing of the licensing, but um, Cassidy never got an action figure in Deep Space Nine, That's and true. obviously she's a pretty significant figure. So Deep Space Nine primarily yeah. had the most kind of shafted characters, but I I think that was probably more timing than it was deliberate. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, we also didn't get one of Carol Marcus in Wrath of Khan. I don't know oh, if he did true. a reboot Carol Marcus one, but uh, definitely. No, because uh, Into Darkness didn't get any figures. I right. Mean, they, they, you know, the first one did, but uh, Into Darkness didn't. That would have been, yeah, that would have been so cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think about that sometimes. It's like, what, what is the cause for these licenses to be sort of lost and shuffled around and everything? And, and you know, is it a case where if a company had, you know, I'm not saying like if they had produced these you know, female figures, then their licenses would be saved and, you know, mm -hmm. unicorns would hop over rainbows and everybody would be happy. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, part of me just sort of wonders, it's like the toy companies, I feel like have this antiquated notion, at least it feels very antiquated to me that uh, boys do not want to play with female uh, figures, boys and, and boys are the primary consumers of action figures. And I, I have read absolutely no modern recent, 
statistics to prove this. Like I'm sure the toy companies are very good at having their own, you know, internal sort of surveys and statistics and things like that. But I just cannot believe that this is still the case. However, this argument gets thrown around so much that um, I feel like it, it just gets taken as fact more times than it really should. I, I just feel like it's just an assumed fact as opposed to something that's actually provable. Sort of like the whole guys won't go to movies that feature a female protagonist, but women will go to movies that feature a male protagonist argument. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, you know, like it, it, I've had some, some conversations with, uh, you know, former executives and former employees of Playmates and they've, more or less, and this is not to categorize the entire company, but they've been slightly disturbing in terms of like, I will say something about female characters and their response will be quite misogynistic or quite sexist, so much so that like the conversation doesn't continue anymore. So it's like, you have to think like the people that are, were at the top of these companies and perhaps still are, like they've got this mentality. And if that's who's running your show, then you really can't, say that you know for a definite fact oh there's no sexism in toys we can't you know you can't say that it's like the people that are there are sharing these incredibly sexist opinions and you can't tell me that you know that does not infect the work that they do Mm -hmm. um yet i see it all the time like on on um I cannot comment on any of the uh, the the facebook action figure groups i'm i'm in a a Mm -hmm. slew of them but whenever there's something like Where's Ray that comes out, the, the these sort of controversies, like most people in those groups are commenting like, oh yeah, you know, those those like feminazis are so crazy. And you know, <laughs> blah, blah, ruin blah. it for everyone. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in your paper, which um the one on TNG action figures was published in the Star Trek Universe franchising The Final Frontier, which just came out last year, um, and we've talked about on a previous podcast. Um, but you talked about another excuse that manufacturers use around that it's like cheaper to make male action figures or something like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder about that because what we see a lot of, especially in something like um, Star Trek The Next Generation, where you've got these sort of uniforms that don't really change from character to character outside of color, so long as that character is male. I mean, you could very easily swap, you know, the hands of, uh, let's say, Jordy, and, you know, put those on, like, a data body, and then you'd have hands for the day. You wouldn't necessarily know the difference so long as you changed the, the paint. Um, However, if you're making a female character and you've made no other female characters in your line, then you, in order to do that accurately, you can't do the same part swapping. You have to make a mold that uh, would look like a that female body. Um, so in that sense, yeah, like I think about, you know, is there something to this idea that, well, you know, re- making a female figure would require an entirely new um, mold and if the people that are sort of in charge of making these decisions uh, are already a little biased against producing female characters, then that could certainly provide more um, 
ammo for their argument. Now, I mean, the flip side to that is, you know, individualized molds get produced all the time. Mm -hmm. the, the molds that were used to create the generic Ferengi action figure by Playmates, like those molds, I believe, mm -hmm. were not used ever again for anything else. Um, so you can say the same thing for molds that were created for female characters. Um, and even, you know, creating those molds, um, you know, you, you could do the same part swapping with female characters as you go forward um, and, and produce more. Uh, hence why we can so easily get, you know, two outfits of Deanna Troy. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I wonder if that is, is part of it. I mean, I feel like the number one reason is just this economic argument that they've convinced themselves of that, you know, they just won't sell. Um, there was an article in Toy Fair in uh, something like 1998 that, uh, that basically told collectors to pick up um, the uh, RC action figure, a Transformers action figure that uh, was uh, like the female Transformer um, because those were usually uh, they, those are usually what they call peg warmers. They stay on the pegs longer because nobody's buying them. And to a collector, like years down the line, that would be very ver valuable because if nobody bought them when they were out, mm -hmm. then their value would go up in the future. Um, so, you know, this, this idea has really permeated in many different action figure lines for a very long time that just women won't sell. Um, now, you know, I don't believe that, but uh, that seems like the the dominating kind of mentality um, so far. Uh, you know, I mean, you've you've also got you know, you, getting back to kind of this idea of looking at the the sort of mentality of some of these execs. I mean, you've got the the like you know Perlmutter, the, the the like head Marvel guy, like totally you know Donald Trump supporter, like complete you know absolutely not. Uh, uh, someone who would be sensitive to this argument that, you know, women need this representation and that, you know, there's the sex in toys. And, and this guy is someone who can call the shots on making toys, hence mm -hmm. why there's, you know, the, the Black Widow issue and, and uh, all that sort of thing. Um, although I will say, uh, not to get off of Trek, but in thinking about sort of the, the path of things like uh, Black Widow, uh, Hasbro has actually, it seems like they've done a better job with that than uh, Toy Biz did. Toy Biz okay. had the license on those Marvel characters um, and they produced very, very few um, female characters. They made some great figures when they did, but um, I think Hasbro is sort of beating them on that right now, um, which is good to see, honestly. Cool. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess like the closest that Trek has come to our where's Gamora or where's Ray moment um, was a, I would say like a relatively minor, but I think it's an important kerfuffle. Um, it's totally over, important. Yeah, over the uh, Funko Pop vinyls, um, yes. which spawned the hashtag where's Bev. Um, yes. So yeah, basically, um, I mean, I guess it's debatable whether you call them action figures, their heads move. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I count yeah, it's certainly, it's, it's a similar topic. We're talking geek merchandise toys, basically. So, yeah. um, they're the original, um, wave of Star Trek Funkos that came out was a TOS wave and it had, um, I believe Kirk, Spock, uh, Scotty, 
an Orion slave girl and an Dorian and a Klingon. Um, I may be missing someone there, but it definitely had a generic Andorian and a generic Klingon and a generic Orion slave girl. Right. Yeah. 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 That that's my recollection of that um, as well. So the only female representation that you have is the slave girl. Yeah, and she was actually one of the first Funko fig female figures to be so skinny that she required a stand. Um, <sighs> and Funko has really transitioned. I'm sure you've noticed their yes. female figures more and more to that body shape. Um, the older ones, um, like the original uh, lines with Wonder Woman, um, had a kind of a wide stance and uh, fists, the mm -hmm. same as the men. Um, that looked like they were like standing strong and ready to fight. Um, mm -hmm. And while that's maybe not appropriate for everyone, they basically seem to have gone to the really, really skinny body and stands for almost all of the women, even when it doesn't make sense. Like I have a Lagertha from Vikings where mm -hmm. why wouldn't she have a strong st stance? Um, so right. personally, I get a little peeved, especially because they don't stay on the stands very well. They start to kind of list and yeah. lean. So that is kind of frustrating to me. Uh, but do you have the do you have the Deanna Troy uh, Funko Pop? I don't actually. I was wondering about that because I mean she's in a very interesting pose. Like she's got mm -hmm. she look. It looks like her body type is um, is one where she could stand on her own she's got a very kind of one arm on the hip kind of pose um so just curious how that how that held up she does um, have a stand um but i oh, don't, i don't know about how much she uh leans on or off the stand they have improved the stands a little bit um i have a ray uh bobblehead and those now have like pegs in both feet um, but uh, it's super frustrating when your action figures won't stand up even on their stands. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So like a full of cluttered giant head, giant eyed dolls. Yeah. I mean, they have one job, those stands, you know, keep, keep action figures up and they don't even do it. Um, but, but your point about sort of where's Bev, I mean, I feel like that's, that is really important because Beverly Crusher, I mean, very sadly, because she's actually one of my favorite um, Trek characters, uh, gets shafted so much mm -hmm. in these in this in the production of toys. I mean, she wasn't in the Galoob wave at all. She wasn't in wave one of the TNG figures. When you would get the um, there was a very there was a collectible um, uh, Pez dispenser set that you can get of the uh, mm -hmm. the TNG crew, and she was in that. However, when they put out the exclusive set with um, Lacutus, they actually swapped out Beverly Crusher for Lacutus. Um, so, so now the latest sort of iteration of this this sort of you know bias against Bev is like in in these Funko Pops. And, and maybe uh, they swapped her out for Lacutus in this one too, because this is <laughs> like the TNG. So just to go back to TOS quickly, so they never released a new Hura, and people sort of had that argument like, well, I guess Wave 1 didn't sell well enough because otherwise they would have released more characters, but I don't, I haven't seen any evidence on that. Um, mm -hmm. Also, maybe they could have made Wave 1 suck less. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I would have definitely preferred to buy a new Hura over an Orion Slave Girl, and I don't know that that would be the exception, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. hear you. But then with the TNG wave, they came out with all the major characters. So there's Picard, there's Riker, Troy, Worf, uh, Data, LaForge, 
uh, except there is no crusher mm -hmm. and there is a generic Klingon mm -hmm. and a Locutus who mm -hmm. is very cute. I call him Locutus. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there was no pressure. No pressure and, and no and no yar. It sounds like either. No, that's you. true. I mean, I guess it's hard. I it's a little bit harder to argue for a yar. Like I'm not saying sure. I would love to have a yar, but um, right. you know, if you're looking at people who are only around for one season, it. Right. <laughs> like yeah, Crusher is the only person of the you know who is around for well six out of seven seasons right um, although the, the flip side of that is the cutest was around for two episodes that's and, true you know, he's and still in there. who knows where generic klingon was <laughs> yeah exactly um so so no i mean i feel like that's that's well taken and uh you know it, it's i feel like you know, just personally, these sort of economic arguments uh, about not producing female figures, I mean, I feel like they have to stop. You know, it's just like, okay, I have not seen any proof that that is still true in 2016, um, if it ever was. Maybe it maybe it was once upon a time. Also, you know, in other, in other companies, the public sort of demands a certain kind of social responsibility there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's just when we get to action figures, you know, then we're allowed to have this sort of economic kind of, oh, well, you know, I guess it wouldn't sell kind of argument. But it's like, no, why don't we as a buying public demand that our companies, no matter what they make, have this sort of social responsibility to at least make products that can represent you know our society as best as possible and I, I feel like if you're making little plastic bodies then those little plastic bodies should represent you know the the human ones that exist whether that's in their source material or you know mm -hmm. if if the figure line is is not it doesn't have source material then it could be something else but um yeah i feel like we we're sort of behind the times in the action figure world uh, in that sense where we sort of let these companies slide on the economic thing. Um, and in other places, I think we're very socially conscious and I think that we could use more of that in toys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit too about the manufacturing and sort of the, I guess the social conscience of that whole prospect process. Yeah. Well, I think, because I think that there's, a level of um, sort of privilege that comes along with talking about the representation of female um, characters and action figures. And mm -hmm. in a way, we are lucky that we get to have that conversation. The, mm -hmm. the, the outcome may not be perfect, but we're lucky that we're a place where we can just talk about this. If you go to China to these actual factories where these figures are produced, you're looking at a workforce that's 80% female. Um, there's a documentary called Santa's Workshop in which one of the male bosses of these factories is, is uh, interviewed and the interviewer asks him, you know, why do you use uh, so many women in these shops? And he says, quite frankly, they're easier to manage. And mm -hmm. I feel like if any woman were told in any workplace, you know, here, oh, you were hired because you're easier to manage. I feel like <laughs> that would be incredibly offensive. And it's incredibly offensive to hear that in regard to these women who are working um, in these factories in China, often ridiculous hours, often for very, very, very little pay. Um, so I think that there's something infuriating about the fact that we are um, arguing that women are not being represented 
in these figures, and they're not. Mm -hmm. um, and all the while, women are being exploited in these factories in China to produce these all-male figures that don't even <laughs> look like them. You know, uh, yeah. I, I think that there's something severely wrong here. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's just it's really. Um, it's really sad. There's a there's a great book um, that's been out for a little while uh, by Leslie T. Chang called uh, Factory Girls, and mm -hmm. she actually goes into these um, factories in China, interviews um, some of these women, and I mean, the stuff they talk about is just really pretty horrific. So mm -hmm. yeah, I've read um, it. It's a good book. So it's great. Yeah. Oh, so much. Yeah, I'm teaching mm -hmm. it this semester, uh, and it's just it's really really um, eye opening uh, to talk about. But yeah. Um, you know, it, it it's it's kind of perfect in a way to talk about this on this podcast about, which is about a show that kind of envisions this sort of utopian future, um, or at least you know, partially utopian future, um, and and yet we have these these severe kind of gender problems today, um, and in a way, I find myself kind of pining for for that kind of equality, mm -hmm. you know, that the show, that the show indicates can happen. Yeah. And yet, you know, the, the evidence shows we, we really do have a way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, final thoughts? Let's see. Um, well, I would just say, you know, keep playing with toys. Uh, I feel like that's the that's the only you know thing. It's just like so many people, I think, don't really think too much about action figures beyond their childhoods, unfortunately, because you know there's still a lot of fun to be had with them. And I think that as we grow into adults, our brains start to play with toys just in different ways, and in some ways the same ways. And I feel like that play is too valuable to be lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But this is just one of the topics being discussed on the Trek FM network recently. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the Orb. The Wadi, a fun-loving race from the Gamma Quadrant, arrive at DS9 eager to play a game with Cisco and the crew, one that appears to be a matter of life and death. All right, so are we moving along, Matthew? Oh, we're moving along. <laughs> the ready room. He's carrying in the lamb chop sock puppet <laughs> saying, she stayed at her post. <laughs> While Charlie Horse ran. <laughs> While Charlie Horse ran. <laughs> <laughs> to the journey. And then sexiness ensues and it's a slow dissolve to the next morning. Fantastic. Okay. Check. Janeway gets some. Check. Janeway gets some. Confirmed. Commentary. Trek stars. You know, you, you come up with something stupid because of some joke that someone said and someone else said, and then all of a sudden you're doing a uh, tournament of movies, which J.J. Abrams produced, to determine which one is the crappiest. Women at Warp. A.F., which are the initials that Picard carved into Boothby's tree back on Starfleet Academy, and that is how he met Boothby the groundskeeper. Well, we never did learn Boothby's first and second name, did we? <laughs> it was all a ploy to get to hang out with Boothby. Meta Trex. What I find most interesting is that when Deanna suggests it, Riker doesn't say, what, that's a crazy idea, or I've never thought about that. 
he's just like, oh, okay, good idea. And like, it's a normal okay, thing. Yeah. So it's kind of a normal thing to, to call up something in the holodeck mm-hmm. and kind of work through it or live through it. Melodic tricks. The reason why I think Brian Wrightsell would be a more plausible choice is because he has worked with Fuller in the past. They worked together on Hannibal. He scored that series, all 39 episodes. The neat thing about Brian Wrightsell's music is it's more of a sound design than it is a score. Saturday Morning Trek. Chekhov was in the first season, but he was working on the third deck behind the boiler room and was ill with a condition called Malapropsky's Malady, which is a kind of 23rd century version of Montezuma's Revenge, and was hidden in the bathroom, ensconced there for hours and hours, while poor Mr. Khan's genetically engineered kidneys about to explode, pounded pitifully on the door, begging to be let in, until finally the door opens, Chekhov steps out, Khan looks at him and says, Your face, I remember. That's the best explanation I've ever heard. You get get the idea that I've told this story before. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. We also wanted to let you know about the Trek FM Patreon. Trek FM is a listener-supported network. You can help us keep the Star Trek discussion coming by pledging a donation at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Every little bit helps keep this Trek FM podcast up and running. So once you're done with the show, again, please consider hopping over to patreon.com slash Trek FM. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jonathan. Where can people find you or do you have anything other recommended books or things you'd like people to check out? Well, first off, thank you very much, Tara, for having me um, and everybody for listening. Um, yeah, so uh, on Facebook, you can check out the Late Night Action Figure Club. Uh, it's got a killer 44 members right now, but yeah. uh, join us, won't you? Because we uh, talk about all sorts of the action figure realm on there. Night um, is spelled N-I-T-E, just FYI. That is true, because we're cool like that. Yeah. Um, and if you happen to be an academic, keep your eyes out for the Action Figure Essay Collection coming out uh, probably early next year by McFarland. Farland uh, publishers. So uh, check us out there. Awesome. I'm sure we will be uh, sharing the information about that on our networks as well. Um, and I'm Jara Hodge. You can find me on Twitter at Jara Penguin or on Tumblr at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com. And if you'd like to contact women at work, you can do so by emailing crew at women at warp.com or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at women at warp or on our website, women at warp.com. And we're also on iTunes, and you can leave us a review. So lots of ways to get in touch, and we love to hear from you. Thanks so much, and have a great night.